Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Week, you know, this, this whole week, you know, leading up into Holy Week. So the starting of Holy Week is really Palm Sunday. And today we're really going to look at the story in, in, uh, in the Bible of when Jesus came to Jerusalem. Um, so two of the things that I really have focused on personally that is, is so interesting to me is first and foremost Advent and then, of course, the Holy Week. So Advent is, is the four weeks before Christmas focusing on the coming of something new. You know, so it, it, it the expectation of Jesus, and we know what the unfolding of that was, but the story leading up to Jesus' birth. So just like, you know, Advent focuses on that, the Holy Week focuses on Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you know, leading into Good Friday where all of those horrific things happened for the sake of the world. So, um, you know, if we look at these stories, you know, Palm Sunday it's where everything started. It's where Christ began to start his triumph over the grave. You know, some of us may think that it was just a one-day thing or it just happened quickly, but, you know, understanding that Jesus was just like God, he knew the mind of God, he knew the thoughts of God. Do you know that Jesus really knew his purpose for coming? So if he knows his purpose for coming, he knows that he is going to have to die a gruesome death for the sins and the sake of the world. So, so this morning, as, as we go through this, I think just put ourselves in that perspective of the weight of the, of the cost that it cost for Christ to give his life for us. So this morning, I want us to look at the importance of Palm Sunday and encourage each of you to pay attention to the week ahead. Be mindful of the events that led up to, uh, to Christ's death on the cross. So if we look in, in, in the Old Testament, Zechariah 9.9, in the Old Testament, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So, so this, is, this is really cool just looking at it from this perspective of the Old Testament. First and foremost, because the, the, the book of Zechariah was guessed to be written sometime uh, before 4, 480 B.C. So we understand that B.C. is before Christ. So 480 years approximately before Christ even was born, a prophetic word was written. Okay, so it, it, goes, it goes way back. So the, the awesome part is that it is a foretelling of the coming Messiah, of the one who would, who would take the sins of the world on his shoulders. Okay, so this prophetic word from Zechariah. So every time that we have a prophetic word and it comes to pass, it continually validates the Bible and it solidifies. it's solidified by a prophecy's word coming to pass and being fulfilled. How do you know if it's a true prophet, pr prophetic word? It will come to pass. So in, in, in the day that we're in, we understand that, that that prophecy came to pass. Okay, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good 
work. So not just because the Bible tells us it's true, which I hope that even just that, guys, would be enough for you to stand on the Word of God, to believe the Word of God. But when we see prophetic words in the Old Testament written for almost 500 years ago, and then they come to pass in the New Testament, and we've seen it in this lifetime that they come to pass, that we should trust the Word of God, and we should use it as a tool of truth. If we can disarm the Word of God and, and, and prove it to be false, it unravels everything we stand on. So we have to be people that believe in the Word, that understand what the Word of God is, and trust in the Word of God. So all of the prophecies about Jesus' birth, His ministry, His death, His resurrection, even His role in the church, you guys realize that all of those things have come to pass. We don't have time to look at all of those this morning, but we have seen those things come to pass. Now let's look at the New Testament and see the fulfillment of the law, because I think it's good not to just share the Old Testament, but let's look at the New Testament also and see... Uh, what it shows us this morning. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the story of Palm Sunday, it's covered in actually all four of the Gospels, but the, the chapter I want to focus on in the book that I want to cha- uh, focus on today is Luke 19. So in Luke 19, uh, most of you know the story, but we're going to look at it's going to be Luke 19, 28 through 41. Okay, so I'm going to read this to you, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of highlights from some of the other Gospels and try to really paint a good picture of what Palm Sunday looked like. So Luke 19, 28 through 41, starting in verse 28. It says, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it to me. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell them the Lord needs it. Verse 32, those who were set, sent ahead went and found it just as they had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put it on Jesus and put Jesus on it. And at As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When they came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles that they had seen. And this is what they said in verse 38. It says, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, all of the other... uh, All of the other books of the Bible, it says that they say Hosanna at the beginning. They say Hosanna. Blessed is is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in the heavens and glory in the highest. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He says, I tell you, he replied, if you keep quiet, then the stones will cry out. Verse 41, and as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. And then he goes on a little bit more in 42 through 44 and and talks about how you don't understand what's going to happen. So as we look at that story, let's look at a few things. So first and foremost, the word Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? The word Hosanna, um, it actually means uh, to help or to save, okay? Or I, you know, I pray for a Savior. So in the Hebrew, it says, oh, save now, please save Save me, I pray, is this cry. But we have to understand that this is a cry of rejoicing and happiness, not a cry of despair. You know, because they understood what was happening. This was a monumental time 
in the faith of the believers at the time. They were excited about what Jesus was doing. And um, as, we look at, as we look at some of these other passages, you know, it says that they cut palm branches and they went out to meet him. Some laid down their cloaks on the road. You know, so, you know, so this is really a sign of humility and honor from the people's part. You know, think about it, you know, and as a king, you know, a king walks down on the red carpet or, you know, he never steps foot on the ground. So they were taking their shelter, their protection that protect them from rain and, you know, their outer layer of garments and they laid it down so that he could walk across it. So this is just humility, honoring themselves uh, before Jesus as he came in to Jerusalem. You know, so um, what some did not realize, though, because this was a kingly model, some did not realize that Jesus truly was a king of heavenly descent. He was a king, but he didn't come riding on a chariot, riding on horses. It says that he came, you know, gently riding on a donkey. He was a man, and it also says that most people, you know, according to scholars, say people that rode on donkeys were proven to be men of peace, you know, which we've, we know the characteristics of Jesus. He was a man of peace. He, brought, he, tried to, he strived to bring peace to the world, but he also led strongly. He led boldly. You know, this was going to, you know, as he was, as he was riding in, coming down the Mount of Olives, going in and going through Bethany and getting close to, uh, to, to the town, to where he would be crucified, you know, I believe there was thoughts, there was things going through his mind of what was to happen as he moved forward. You know, you know, he the donkey. I don't know if you've ever seen a donkey. If you look from the top, it, it forms it forms the pattern of a cross. You know, and that donkey had a cross on his back, which could possibly have reflected the cross up on his shoulders that Christ likewise would carry in just a few days. You know, and, you know, I think if donkeys could speak, and there is a Bible story about a donkey speaking, I see that that donkey had the most privilege and honor in his life to carry the Savior of the world. It says that he was never ridden, you know, and I, I don't know, I'm not a super knowledgeable scholar of the word, but, but, it was, but I believe that cult was set aside for Jesus, not to be ridden by anybody else because, God, because Jesus, God's Son was so deserving of it. But I think that it reflects that and, you know, he just honored Jesus in carrying him in. I want each of us to just be so mindful of this week that Jesus was about to have, you know, as he enters in, you know, he looks, looks over Jerusalem and about 40 years later from the time that he was crucified, Jerusalem was destroyed. So he began to weep over it. He cried over it. He knew what was going to happen, and the people knew nothing about it. You know, so it wasn't so much that, you know, he, he was weeping about what he was going to go through. That was, not the, that was not the response of why he was weeping. He was weeping for the people. He wasn't weeping for the burden that he was carrying. It was a choice that he, he boldfully made and wanted to make. He wanted to carry our sins. He wanted to die on the cross for us. That was a choice he was willing to make. So think about it. Way before time began, you know, we go back to Adam and Eve when everything was messed up. And I believe that God, you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit were sitting in heaven. They said, how do we redeem this? And God began to make, make this master plan of saying, we can send a savior to the world to, to, be, to, to carry the sins of the world, but it has to be a spotless lamb. It has to be perfect. It has to be holy. It has to be blameless. I believe they looked left and they looked right. And then Jesus, I'm, I'm sure, raised his hand and said, I'll do it because I'm the only one that can pay that price. 
So we see that even from the beginning of time, this was the unfolding of God's magnificent plan to redeem the world to himself. And as Jesus was, was coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, uh, it, you know, humble and gentle, not, not a man of valor or not, not a whole lot of excitement. But one thing that, that this passage says, it says that as, they, as he came into Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Questions were being asked, who is Jesus? Hey, this is the prophet from this, this area. And, and the whole town was turned upside down because of the presence of Jesus. Well, I'm going to tell you guys that in, a, in what's going on right now in, in, in the world, it's not just the United States, in the world, Jesus is desiring to turn the world upside down and draw people to himself. And he comes to us. He draws near to us. He's not, you know, he's, he's not this, he's not going to come in this lights and splendor and things like that, but he's going to come gentle and lowly. And he wants to invade your life. But just in a few days, as he rode in, Jesus was going to be forced to carry the sins of the world on his shoulders. Now, I don't, I don't know how many of you guys know this this morning, but uh, KSBJ has this sign-up that, that you can go, you can get your phone if you, if you dial 893-893 and text the word Easter. They will give you a play-by-play. It actually starts today uh, as far as all the updates leading up to Good Friday, leading up all the way to next Sunday. If you have never done that, man, it has, it has drastically helped me in the past few years just to be aware of the week. Because today you may think about Jesus, you know, but, and then you don't think about it till Easter when he raises from the dead. But if, if, I would encourage you to send that text and, and just follow that storyline. Also look in the Word and read the rest of the passage between uh, Palm Sunday when he came, you know, through Good Friday, through the resurrection, that, that you can really just really make that personal to you. So I believe that, you know, passion, you know, this Passion Week leading into Easter will be one that we will forever remember and I want to encourage each of you to read through the Gospels, okay? Look, look at this story, you know, from Jesus, you know, his triumphal, triumphant entry into Jerusalem to his resurrection to heaven. You know, the world says uh, maybe th- this week, you know, hey, we're not going to be able to have Easter. Uh, but for those who believe, you cannot stop an Easter celebration that's going to, that's going to come forth this coming Sunday. Because, guys, it has nothing to do with bunnies and eggs and candies. But you have to understand that the resurrection and what's coming this next Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important event of the Christian faith. The very foundation of all Christian doctrine hinges on the truth of this account. If there was no resurrection, there is no resurrection of the saints. If there was no death on the cross and blood spilt, there was no forgiveness or forgiveness or penance for sin. We have to understand that this is the this is the linchpin, guys. This is the pivotal moment of our Christian faith where everything changed and the sacrifice was good enough and done. I want each of you guys to just uh, I want to encourage you guys to join us back this next coming Sunday as we celebrate the biggest celebration of our Christian faith. You know, and I'm believing that God is going to speak mightily to you this week as you incline your ear and you listen to him in what he wants to show you. I want to. I have a question for you this morning. How many of you have really taken time uh, during this different time, you know, to tr- truly draw near to God? I'm not saying, hey, you know, I'm just. It's been quiet. You know, it's been weird. It's been chaotic. I'm talking about. Have you been intentional about drawing near to God? 
You know, God has, has begun to remove all the distractions. If you haven't realized it, all of the, you know, that's been one of the hardest things for me is that all of the extra stuff, I just can't do it right now. But God is saying, this is the moment in your life that I want to draw close to you, that I want to draw near to you. But we have to draw near to him. Okay, so how do we, do, how do we respond to God this week? Let's look at a passage in James. James 4, 6 through 9. James 4, starting in verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Look at this next part. It says, wash your hands. Hey, it's biblical. <laughs> of all the stuff they've been encouraged us to, wash your hands. But it's talking about spiritual things, not just physical things. It says, wash, you ha- wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and well. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, some of you say, man, this is kind of a doom and gloom scripture. Pastor Noe, why are you sharing this? Because the moment up to leading to the resurrection requires humility. Not to be boastful, not to be arrogant, but us, as Jesus humbles himself this week, that we would humble ourselves also that we would be mindful of the cost, that we would be mindful of what Je- the price that Jesus paid. Tell your children what the true meaning for Easter is. Maybe there's things that you, you're not going to be able to do that you've always done. I know we've always met on Sundays. We've always had massive egg hunts. But what happens when your children ask you, Mom, I, so we're not having Easter this week or we're not having Easter this Sunday? And that is the pivotal moment where you can begin to explain and say, Baby, it's not about eggs. It's not about fun. Man, we wish we could do that. And, you know, the church is connected spiritually, but let me tell you what Easter is really all about. That this is a moment of shifting our perspective of what Easter is really all about. So as we re- reflect and we remember what happened during this Holy Week, I, I believe that, it, that it's super important that we, that we focus personally drawing near to God. It says, come near to God and He will come near to you. Understand, that is on you, that's not on God. But he promises when we take that moment, when we silence our, maybe turn off your cell phone, maybe turn off the news, whatever's going on. And I know it's super hard right now because I'm sure some of you are struggling with this cabin fever of staying put. But I think in those moments of of quieting your, your spirit and quieting down your soul that you can hear the sweet, still, small voice of God speak to you. God is truly desiring to humble, desiring us to humble ourselves before him, that he can lift us up. So we do our part, guys, and God does his part. Same thing, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, kind of the same reference. Verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up in due time. Verse 7, for some of you guys who may be having a hard time with this whole thing, it says, Cast your anxiety or cares on him because he cares for you. Now, some of you today said, Does God really care? Let's think of the week that he's about to cause his son to endure. Endure it. Like I'm talking to the point of where there, there's a story, if you read through it, in the Garden of Gethsemane where he said, Lord, if you can take this from me, if I don't have to do this, please take it. But God, at, at the most, may your will be done. But Jesus knew that that was his cup to drink. So you ask that question, does God really care for me? Man, more than you know. He loves us. It was the time where he was going to send his son, Jesus, to pay the price to redeem mankind forever. 
But it's also a humbling time, guys, for us to be reminded of the price Christ paid for you and for me. You know, 2020 years ago during this time, you know, one of this promise was being fulfilled. Because you've got to understand we're at 2020 A.D. after the death of Christ today. You know, that, that, that there, was, there was a promise being fulfilled that would forever change anything, that, that, would, that would realign us what was lost in the Garden of Eden was going to be restored here on earth. So we're shifting from an old covenant to a new, more powerful covenant where God can live inside of each of us, where the blood of Christ can cover us from head to toe, where, where we are the righteousness of Christ. That the blood covers us, it covers everything we've done, everything we're doing, and everything we will do. That, that it was a complete price for sin. So how do we respond with worship that he is so deserving of? How do we respond as the people of God? So we remember and we celebrate the Holy Week. We stand thankful for all that Jesus has accomplished on the cross. So this is his heart for the people of God and what I think what he demands and what he wants, he wants what he really wants our response to be. We're going to look at one more passage, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 8. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 8. Starting in verse 1, it says, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving uh, be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So let me pause there just for a moment. As I read through this, this is God's heart for you. Read that one more time, verse 4. Who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the, the testimony given in its proper time. Verse 7, for this purpose I was appointed herald and an apostle. I am telling you the truth. I am not lying. So what he was saying here was, I am telling you the truth. I'm not fibbing. I'm not making it up. This is factual truth. I'm giving you the truth. And as a teacher of the true faith of the Gentiles, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or dispute. So if we look at the end of that, lifting up holy hands in prayer, not, not out of anger or dispute, some of you might be frustrated at what's going on right now. You say, I'm tired of this. Why can't we just meet together? Have we prayed as much as we've complained? I really don't think most of us have. Most of us have been complaining about the situation, frustrated about the... Now, I know that there's some, and I thank God for all these encouraging <clears throat> posts that have been coming on Facebook, but... I know we tend to look at the negative, not the positive things. But have we, have we really, you know, looked at the good things? Have we, have we, have we strived to look at the things that, are, that God is doing in amongst it? Or have we responded with anger or disputing or arguments? You, you know, any, any decision that, that the government, any decision that the church has made, you got people that camp on both sides. But I'll tell you one thing, guys. If we hear the voice of God and we lift our holy hands in prayer, and we ask Him, and we seek His face, and we turn to a loving God who gave us His one and only Son so that we might be saved, He has the answers that we need. You know, and I believe that it, you know, on that Palm Sunday, as they begin to, it says they laid those palm branches down too. I tried to find a palm branch this morning, but it's rainy and it's gross, and I could not find one that was green and vibrant. 
So, but I think as they had those palm branches, I, I just envisioned as they were coming, they would just begin to wave those palm branches in worship as, as he was parading down the road to Jerusalem. And they waved those palms. So I want you guys to remember when we lift hands, what are these called? The palm of our hands. That as we lift holy hands, that we are worshiping with the palm of our hands, giving him the worship and the praise that he deserves. That with holy hands in prayer, we seek the living God. Now, some of you say, man, no, that's kind of a far-fetched about lifting hands, raising my hands. There's a whole lot of other scriptures I could give you about lifting holy hands. So I think in a moment when we don't know what to do, when we lift our hands in prayer, when we lift our palms to heaven in worship of who God is, that God will come, He will restore, and He will redeem, and His plan will prevail in the earth. You have to understand that His plan will prevail in the earth. It's not about the president's plan. It's not about the governor's plan. It's not about the the judge. It's It's not about any of these positions. God's plans will prevail. He uses people in places of authority still to accomplish His will. God will never allow something to happen that is not according to His plan. But He uses those things to accomplish His purpose and His will. So you may ask me this morning, Noe, so you're telling me all of this, God is using this to cause a change in me? Absolutely. And if you haven't changed yet and you are still in the exact same posture as you were before this all started, you're missing it. You're not, you're not responding to how God wants us to, to respond because if you are not humbled in some way, if you are not seeking God in a whole new measure, then I would encourage you. I'm trying not to be judgmental this morning, but I'm trying to encourage you to seek the face of God, to hear God's heart in all of this. And that as the church and the people of God, that we would respond as God desires us to respond, not as everyone in the world. Through this time, I hope that the church is being seen as the church and the world cannot tell the difference of the world and the church. You know, I know that there's some that, you, you mean, you, you couldn't tell the difference, but I hope that, that as the church we take a stand where it is different and people realize who we are and, and the approach that we're taking. So I believe, guys, you know, in lifting hands and surrender, in praise and worship, and, and giving God the, the true worship that He is so deserving of, So just like those palm branches, we wave our hands before God and Jesus. This week, that maybe during this prayer time, as you read through this, and you feel led just to lift your hands in that moment and give God praise and glory for what you see Him doing for you. I believe that as He walked, He he was mindful of us. As He rode in, He was mindful of us. So let's be mindful of the sufferings that Christ went through during this Holy Week, this Passion Week. And then coming this next Sunday, man, be ready to celebrate a risen Savior because that's where everything changes. So this morning, in closing, I'm going to pray over you and then I'm going to give you some direction about something a little bit different that we're going to do. But but I'm believing that God is really desiring to minister to some of you this morning. So I'm just going to pray over you. Father, I thank you for each one listening this morning. Father, if there are those listening that don't know you or, or maybe their relationship hasn't been as strong as it needs to be. Father, I thank you for that promise that says, as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And Father, you didn't just shed, Jesus didn't just shed his blood for the few, but you said that all men might be saved. That is your heart. So this morning, Lord, as we seek you, as we find you, we know that you will just reach out. 
and you will rescue us from the place that we're at. And Father, even today, Lord, that we can, that we can build on a build a deep relationship with you. Those that don't know you can come to knowledge of who you are today. So Father, we love you. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, so first and foremost, uh, if you go to our, our webpage, www.harvesttimebaycity.com, um, there, there's, there's, there's a connect tab. And on that connect tab, there is a little box that says prayer matters. So in that box, if you have any prayer requests, if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Um, we, we, want, we want to make sure we're connecting with you the best we can. Um, so th- what we're going to do following the service, it's going to be a little bit different. What we're going to do at the end, we're going to give you an extra five minutes. We're going to leave the stream open, open. And I would encourage you to make a few comments in the comments box. If you haven't, let us know you're there. We're actually going to try to get on real quick also and just greet you guys and talk back and forth. So we're going to take about five minutes and just light up that comment section. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to gathering together with you guys next Sunday uh, via our live stream. So we're going to be doing the same thing next week. Uh, to celebrate really the greatest day in history. So I know we can't physically contact and connect with all of you, but I hope we can do it via that live stream on those comments. So you guys light it up. You guys be blessed. Each of your homes, family, workplace, that you guys would be blessed. We love you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.